Our book, The Wisdom of Nurses, Stories of Grit from the Frontline, is available for pre-order. Thanks to all that made this possible, especially the many nurses from across North America who generously shared their stories, passion, and wisdom with us. From us, the hosts of the hit podcast, The Gritty Nurse, we discuss stories of the challenges, heartbreak, and humor of life on the front line. One of the enduring lessons of the pandemic has been the pivotal role that nursing plays in healthcare, vital work that isn't widely understood or sadly appreciated. We started the wildly popular The Gritty Nurse podcast to give voices to nurses all over the world, including more than 400,000 nurses in Canada. We have become sought-after speakers and advocates for nurses and are called on regularly by the media to talk about a wide range of issues around the profession. In our first book, definitely not our last, we take you to the front line of nursing to show the compassion, selflessness, and dedication of professionals who not only give it all for their patients, but get up to do it over and over again. Pre-order the book now at your major book retailers. It'll be available in print and audiobook format. Thank you so much. Take care and enjoy the wisdom of nurses. Hello, is this thing on? Of course it is. They can definitely hear us. Yeah, we're in our fourth season. There's no silencing us now. Welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion on health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And I'm Sarah Fung, and we are your podcast hosts. Please make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel where you can watch our podcast in video format. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our one of our final episodes for the Great Nurse Podcast for 2023. We're doing a year-end wrap, but I think it's so important that we actually kind of, we're going to cover a lot today, so maybe it's going to seem a little bit all over the place, but we have to start with this most, I would say, damaging report to our Ontario um, government right now, which is Doug Ford, who's in power. We've probably talked about this individual and just the issues that plagued our healthcare system for over the past three years. And this Otter General Report is damaging. We are talking about a third party independent report saying here are the things, the missteps, the failures within the healthcare system. Of course, you know, we've been saying this time and time again, but it's nice now to hear it from a third party. And I think it's just, I don't know, it just is kind of like the icing on the cake for us to be like, this is the stuff we've been saying for the last three years, and now we're hearing it coming as an independent report. Yeah, and the thing is, how many radio interviews, how many TV coverages Countless. have we done, how many podcast episodes have we done about these same issues? And so for nurses, I think it's really validating to hear from someone else that, yes, what we were saying all along is that we did not get the support we needed, that patients weren't getting the care we needed, and there's proof here now that this was the case. So we're going to start by... Uh, 
going over some highlights, we'll talk about each point and discuss a little bit about what we think. All right. And I don't think any of this is going to be a surprise for anyone that works in healthcare. No, I, I don't think so either. Okay. So the first one is that one in five emergency visits involve patients going to the ER for non-urgent issues because they didn't have a family doctor or access to other services. Another thing that I think that we had been touching on and focusing on talking about the issues where there are millions of people in Canada who have no access to primary care, that we just need to do things radically different. Um, yesterday, I actually had the opportunity to speak to Haley Wickenhauser, and I think I just said her name wrong, but I'll, I'll have to circle back. Last, uh, Just yesterday, I was able to speak to an Olympian, um, and she is now turned into a physician. Her name is Haley. And I think it was just important, the fact that she pretty much said to me and pretty much said to the crowd that she's like, yeah, I picked a subspecialty in family medicine, but who in their mind would want to do family medicine based on just how our system kind of treats family doctors. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. we're, we have this family doctor shortage, but I think we need to start thinking creatively here. We need to start thinking about how we can service all of these people who don't have access to primary care. And the other piece I brought up was health literacy, right? I think yep. the reason folks visit the emergency departments, whether, you know, it's people who are new to uh, to Canada or new to the system is because they don't know where else to go or they don't have a primary care provider. So we can't fault people mm -hmm. for coming to the emergency department for, you know, non-urgent issues when they don't know where to go and the health literacy is not there. Again, I would say this is another failure on the Ford government's behalf because we've been sounding the alarm on this for years and nothing has been done. And the other thing is, I just want to point out that just because someone has a primary care provider does not necessarily mean they can access that provider, right? right? So, okay, you call someone and you have an issue that you need uh, someone to see you fairly urgently, maybe the same day or the next day, and they give you an appointment that's three weeks away, yeah. that's not helpful. So we're talking about, and, and this is not to fault primary care providers. I'm sure many of them are overworked and underpaid, but it's to say that there aren't enough. So even even if you are lucky enough to have someone, it doesn't mean you can actually access them. Maybe they're on vacation and there's nowhere to cover or you call and no one answers. Like this is not accessible healthcare. This is not the healthcare that we should have as Canadians. And the other thing is speaking on that is Doug Ford, when we had virtual care because we needed it during the pandemic, we needed other ways. He slashed that right out of the budget, made it, making it not even really feasible for physicians to want to use virtual care models. And that was a whole other crippling aspect. There were some folks that are like, you know, this is really working for me, but he made it that it was again, another task that physicians would have to take on with not additional support and resources and again another huge failure within the healthcare system so i'll move to the next point which is between 2018 and 2019 and 2022 and 2023 northern hospitals increased usage of nurses from staffing agencies by 25, 25 times <laughs> the agencies charge three times the rate of an hourly nurse compared to an increase of about two and a half times for hospitals in the rest of the province holy shit. <laughs> that is insane and again we're like okay so we talk time and time again about the value of nurses making sure that you know nurses are fairly compensated this government took the time to sue nurses when we knew that that bill was unconstitutional bill 124 and instead of doing the right thing by you know ensuring that nurses have full access to full-time work there are more um you know resources for nurses to have he wanted to sue us. So mm -hmm. again, 
and again, I'm not going to blame nurses who go and work for staffing agencies, but again, it's a huge problem. The government need, or we need more oversight in making sure that these, these third party agencies, private agencies aren't just making are, are making a monopoly off of off of health care and hospital systems these are our tax dollars going to pay what did we say two times sometimes three times the mm-hmm. amount of a regular nurse to, to to support the system and again this is hugely problematic absolutely and i just want to touch on better working conditions for nurses because the thing is these agency nurses are the same nurses that were in the hospital previously getting paid their straight hourly time but it just highlights to me that there's a better way to operate when it comes to staffing and the reason that nurses go to agencies number one i'm sure is for the pay but number two is <laughs> yeah. the flexibility so let's work with some more flexible working models that actually support nurses that can give them the time off that they need and really just make sure that they want to be at the bedside like i just i don't think it's rocket science if if private companies have figured out a way to do it i think we need to start innovating like on all fronts yeah it's also again like it's about compensation like nurses wouldn't leave to you know not work in an organization because you know, they're not being adequately compensated. And I think that, you know, when we think about these private entities that, again, this is our public tax dollars going into a system that's completely inefficient. Again, um, we have to think about what it's like sometimes working with an agency nurse who's never maybe worked in that unit. We're, we're talking about, you know, these people, don't, the, the role is to come in and hit the ground running, but it's never like that. You know, um, if you've ever worked with a nurse who's never worked in your unit, you have, there's some orientation that needs to be done. So although they are there to help and support, there are still some challenges within that whole system. And again, they're, they're, they're the fly and they come in and out and, and that's it, right? So there's no continuity of care. So we have to start thinking about how we do things like outrageously different. And I think, you know, uh, we'll probably touch on it in another episode when we do our update for the nursing retention forum. But there's so many things that, you know, this toolkit in 2024 will deliver in terms of saying, here are some things that that was designed by nurses, created by nurses, for nurses to say, here's what nurses need in the healthcare system mm-hmm. to one, want to stay there. And two, to be actually, you know, um, treated properly and adequately. Because again, time and time again, um, we're seeing the mistreatment of nurses, we're seeing them hemorrhage and leave, and we're seeing them go to staffing agencies. Absolutely. And when you're being told that um, there's force overtime, that you're not allowed to take time off, what does that actually do that sets you up for burnout and failure? I can't think of any other way around it. Like, can you imagine being literally told you can't leave until the next shift comes and then nobody shows up? Yeah. That happens crazy. so many times. Or just, you can't do that vacation. You can't go on your wedding. Like, we've heard all that too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. just... Uh, so much change needed and again i i think we have to continue to poke our finger in the middle of the chest who of who the person is uh, in terms of the decision making right. and again um i think there was evidence that said that you know doug ford was talking about all these various privatization forms and that oh it's not it's going to be a cost-effective measure they're a government that's supposed to be reducing the budget um and we're spending three to four times more mm-hmm. on healthcare using privatized services again um many many examples of how we knew that that would be a, a failure and yep yep there it we is are. <laughs> yep that brings me to my next point which is we heard a lot of media coverage about unplanned closures of emergency rooms but it actually shocked me to see this in writing so between july 2022 and june 2023 there were more than 200 200 
unplanned temporary emergency department closures involving 23 hospitals, mostly in rural or remote areas, and mostly due to nursing and doctor shortages. Yeah, that is, it's horrible. Like, I think we've we've talked so many times about, you know, the Minden Hospital. There, It's like completely closed, right, in terms mm-hmm. of the emergency services. And I think... How crippling is that as a community if you don't have access to emergency care or just because of the, the shortage and because of these issues that the government has not been paying attention to or is completely neglecting that services are no longer available. This is, again, the fault of our government. We have been sounding the alarm about shortage. Like how many interviews do you think we've done in the last three years talking about nursing shortage? And again, I want people that are out there listening to understand it's not a shortage of actual physical physical bodies mm-hmm. it's shortage of the ability to properly staff units to respect and and retain nurses why would no one wants to work in an environment where they're not heard they're not respected they're they're treated poorly i think we've we felt and i think i'm not the only person to say this that we felt almost attacked by this government felt that they we weren't listened to we weren't heard our our unconstitutional our constitutional rights were being infringed upon and the fact of the matter is it's like he just didn't care. He, he he showed up at hospital settings, but never really engaged with nurses, never really engaged to have a conversation. I think we've invited to say, hey, you know, we'll have a conversation with you, Doug Ford. Oh, by the way, this still stands. So if oh, Doug 100%. Ford or anyone's yeah, come on, listening, Doug Ford, we'll talk to you. Doug Ford, this is an open invitation to come onto our podcast anytime. We're happy to have this conversation. Absolutely. So you heard it here on the Gritty Nurse Podcast. <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> on the Gritty Nurse Podcast. Oh my gosh. But um, I actually know someone who was in labor and could not find a hospital to deliver at and oh almost had to deliver on the side of the road. Like that is freaking scary. I can't imagine living in a rural area and like having something happen urgently and not even knowing what hospital to go to. Because I think the other thing is the hospital closures weren't always communicated clearly to everyone. Right. So then you drive to one, find out it's closed, drive to another one, find out it's closed. Like what is, what is going on here? Yeah. That's like a huge (laughs) patient safety issue in general. And I think the other piece is like the whole aspect of, you know, not supporting rural areas. We know that there's, that's a whole health equity in uh, issue right again if you're seeing hospitals in the north or you know or northern regions that are being closed who's what population is that affecting is that an infect uh in, uh affecting more indigenous folks like are we are we we're still having conversations about folks not even having access to clean water so the fact that you know these rural uh organizations and hospitals that tend to be closed over time and time again these are the folks in these communities that are suffering the most and again um it's another huge conversation in terms of how do we support and get folks wanting to work in rural places because again they hear these horror stories time and time again and it's hard to keep people like good people out there Mm -hmm. and um we had the opportunity to speak to the Nunavut nurse and she's amazing but again she talked about the challenges of her being one of the sole people out there caring for an entire community so again Again, we need to keep our focus and our eyes on a, a variety of different things. And again, um, you know, this is maybe also talking to the federal government about how we can have sustainable plans for rural organizations, not just here in Ontario, but just across the board in Canada. 
Absolutely. Oh, the next point point is for me. Yeah. Oh, so this again, not a shocker, but nursing and doctor shortages led to obstetric services closing at 10 hospitals in the north between July 2022 and September 2023. Four were still closed as of September, with three of those closed for more than one year. That is insane. Um, I think about myself being pregnant, and I couldn't imagine not being able to access obstetrical services i tell you when you are in labor or when you feel that something's going wrong getting into a car and driving for two hours is probably the last thing that you want to do on your mind Mm -hmm. and i think this is this is unconscionable that we have to have people go through this and again i think i really hope next year we'll focus a little bit even more on women's rights women's leadership um and just kind of women forging the way forward for for healthcare and a variety of different things because we're being underserviced. Again, I couldn't imagine this happening to a prostate clinic or something where, you know, it's a disease that's affecting primarily men mm-hmm. where, you know, we would see that there would be, be these huge gaps in service. We need to start focusing more on women's health care. And I can only imagine how we're, we're dealing with two patients, yep. mom and babe. Yeah. And I think that obstetrics is a really specialized service too. So I think about all the nurses that were working in these Uh, centers who are now not delivering right and I think even just speaking as a nurse right if you haven't delivered for a long time you start to question like are my am I like um, current on my practice like what do I do now do I just go work on a general surgery floor like what do I do with these specialized skills and it's really a shame that these nurses are losing their skills because they've decided to close these hospitals that are so badly needed yeah it's it's really abysmal that um we're put in these situations and i can only think about the healthcare providers that you know feel that they that they, they have those skills but they can't practice because these organ of these places are they're so short of you know staff that um it would be unsafe and again this is where we like for example in obstetrics it's typically one-to-one care um yes you might have one to two as long as the woman's not on oxytocin which is a drug that helps uh, bring about stronger contractions but it's scary where you know there have been situations where people are you know they might have more than two patients three patients on pit and it's it's a scary situation we have to make sure that we at the end of the day we're always thinking about patient safety and if they're closing these places it's because it's unsafe and that should be sounding the alarm bell for our government to step in and do something and again failure okay and the last point here is going back to emergency rooms Um, The wait on average was two hours to be assessed by a physician up to 30 minutes in the last 10 years um, and wait more than 24 hours if they require an inpatient bed. So, I mean, like, so you arrive to the emergency room, right? Just to even be seen by a doctor, never mind being treated, just to be seen, it's two hours, right? right? So that is a long time. And then up to more than 24 hours if they require an inpatient bed. I heard stories about people waiting in hallways for five days. Yeah, I can see so some like personal actually, experience there. <laughs> this is actually shorter than I thought, but this is horrible. Like, I just... I mean, I, I remember there was an article last year about a woman who was quite young, like maybe in her 30s, who died in the emergency room because she was having severe abdominal pain. Yep. They didn't attend to her until she had fallen unconscious and she passed away. Yeah, there are many stories yeah. like that, which yeah. is, those are, it's heartbreaking, right? And it's, mm-hmm. imagine the staff that know that they're overworked, there's not enough people on 
to, to have to deal with a situation like that. Imagine the families and the impact to the families where they, they, I think there's also this disconnect where people don't realize how bad this, how bad things actually are. But I could only imagine, you know, um, that family that's just kind of like, you know, my, my loved one who's in their thirties came in with abdominal pain and now 24 hours later or less they're dead. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's because they weren't receiving the care, the adequate care that they should deserve to, to receive. And again, no fault of the, the practitioner's side, but the fact that, you know, our system is crumbling. And I think this is where, um, we've been, we've been talking about this again. I can say, you know, my own experience where I, I had gone in, I had severe, severe, um, um, I guess it would be right lower quadrant pain only to, and only to find out that they were having difficulty diagnosing whether it was my appendix or it was my ovary. They finally found out what it was. But again, I still ended up staying in the emergency department for over 24 hours until there was a bed available for me to actually have the, the emergency surgery. So again, doesn't matter whether you're a healthcare provider mm-hmm. or, you know, you're, you're like, you can't jump the queue. And if there's no space, there's no space. And I remember seeing and other people that were there in the emergency department way longer than me and hearing that, you know, this person's going on hour 36. And I tell you, when you're in the emergency department and you're in a cramped space, you're hearing people scream and crying out for pain and it's just busy and there's so much chaos. It is not the best place for you to be if you need to be somewhere else whether it's on another unit being seen it's we've been talking about this for so long and it's just at what point does the 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 government care i i mean when i'm talking about headlines and i think you can probably relate to this most of the headlines i've been seeing about the ford government have been about the spa this like ontario place spa or you know um the green belt scandal that he's been tied up in now is like he had all this land now he's giving it all back because people are just like caught him pretty much with his pants down between his legs of all these scandals that he was embroiled in but the thing is no, we're, you know, we're, we're hearing very little from the, this government about healthcare. And these are the things that people want to hear about healthcare, affordable housing. Um, these are education. These are the crux of what not just Ontarians want, but Canadians want, because again, we're mm. seeing the ripple effect, like Alberta. I, I feel sorry for those nurses. I saw a post today about the nurses just saying like, we are in dire straits here with what the government's doing because they're fully overhauling the whole entire healthcare system. I don't know if Danielle Smith has a vendetta against the healthcare folks just as Doug Ford does. I don't know, but it's like, it's hard everywhere. Seeing posts from Saskatchewan, nurses in Saskatchewan striking, just a, a variety of different things happening this year. And I just thought that, to, to, to think about all of what's happened, we now get this damaging report from the Auditor General. And I just want to read another title where it says, Hospitals plagued by staff shortages and ER closures under Ford government, the Auditor General finds. And again, it's just, what more can we do other than alert the public, um, inform them and let them know what's happening, and hopefully they stand behind us, healthcare providers, to say enough is enough. Mm. And you know... Um, how how much longer is this term? Yeah, twenty twenty five. Like oh. we, we've we've got our work cut out for us, uh, and I think that you know maybe we're demanding that he steps down. I don't know. Yeah, we. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, Amy. But uh, I think I think just going back to the nursing shortage, we mentioned that there is no shortage of people trained to be nurses. There is a shortage of nurses willing to be abused by the system, and right. I'm using that word because it's what's been happening to nurses for a very long time and just a lot of nurses aren't willing to put up with it anymore 
I, I completely agree. And I, I think that, you know, it, if, if not, if not, if this is not the time, I don't know what the best time is for us to continue to collectively raise our voices. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that we still have a chief nursing officer of health uh, and in nursing particularly. And again, I think, we all have a role to play from a role in terms of advocacy, in terms of raising our voices when we see things, in terms of whistleblowing. And I really hope that maybe 2024 is the year for you to help join us in terms of raising our voices. We're coming out with the book, The Wisdom of Nurses, to again, share our wisdom, to share our wisdom with many other folks in terms of how nurses have so much to contribute to conversations, uh, excuse me, Whether it's related to healthcare, politics, the environment, we just have so much wisdom. And I think it's important that people know. So April 2nd, look for it. It's available for pre-order. And maybe we can start talking a little bit more about some of the positive aspects of our year end in review. Absolutely. We've had a super busy year. And I just hope that anyone listening can do a little reflection on the successes you've had over the past year. Because until you write it down, sometimes you don't realize all the things you've accomplished over the year. So um, some of the things that we did this year, if you guys have been following us at all on social media, you know that we had a pretty busy year. So just starting kind of near the earlier part of the year, we um, were invited to be on a nursing retention forum with the government of Canada. So Dr. Lee Chapman uh, headed that Uh, program or that uh, project up and we were able to contribute our insights into actually developing a toolkit and a framework for how to uh, retain nurses right right and that report came out and uh, like amy said there's an update to that as well so that's available you can check it out Um, we'll put the link in the show notes Um, Just moving on to the next one is that we attended the ICN conference, so the International Council for Nurses conference in Montreal, which is a really big deal because it was the first conference after the pandemic and it's only every two years and it happened to be in Canada, which is amazing. So yeah, we'd so, have to travel too far. Yeah, that friends. was cool, right? Because seeing so many people in person and people recognizing us, um, and like we hadn't done very much stuff in person, right? So that was kind of neat. Yeah, it was it was it was a weird vibe because I think that like you know I don't know like I think people know our names are Amy and Sarah, but we got called the gritty nurses pretty much the entire time we were at the ICN, which is cool. But it's it, it was just it was just a weird vibe for people to come up and say, hey, oh my gosh, we know you, we listen to you, the gritty nurses, and we're just like and anything we could do to help yay so but it was it was really cool i think we were we were able to meet with some political leaders we were able to meet with the the, the minister of health at that time uh jean duclos and we also were able to meet with the prime minister and have a couple words with both mm-hmm. so that was kind of neat i think sarah checked out his arm and checked out his veins okay and that that part may or may not be in our book so just check just uh, keep that in mind um just about the just you know like i i'm a nurse whether i'm at work or not and I always notice people's veins okay it's all good it's all good (laughs) um so yeah that was pretty fun and I think people recognize us more together than separate because we we experimented we split up for a bit we sat in different parts of the room and I think um the number of people coming to us like slowed down which was kind of interesting so I'm like we're we're recognizable duo right um, okay, so we also traveled across the country to our first in-person speaking engagement. So uh, we went to Alberta to talk to some nurses there at a really cool event um, where we had lots of food, lots of things to drink, lots of things to talk about. Um, and so that was really that was really fun. Yeah, I think and it's I think it's just nice now to kind of um, to get out. Right. I think that's one of our goals for 2024 that, you know, we speak to more nurses in different provinces. So we had the opportunity to speak 
out in Alberta. I've had the opportunity to speak to it, speak out in Saskatchewan, but you know, maybe some of the other maritime provinces and maybe some of the other uh, provinces like BC can reach out to us. We'd be happy to come out and speak to your nurses about some of the work that we've been doing and how to continue uh, on their advocacy journey. I think that, you know, again, as nurses, our advocacy does not end at the bedside and whatever we can do to help support and uh, to bring about change, to bring about innovation, to bring about courageous conversations, myself and Sarah are definitely happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And we had two huge uh, stars, I want to say, on our podcast. So <laughs> Nurse Hadley and Nurse Blake. That was super, super exciting. I remember doing an episode maybe two years ago where we talked about people we would want to have in our podcast. And I said, we'll never get him. But I would like Nurse Blake and Corey Bush to come onto our podcast. We're, so, we're, we're <laughs> still working on Corey Bush. <laughs> One out of two is not bad, right? <laughs> no, I think that's actually a pretty good number, right? Yeah. So I was like, I think we were just in shock and just like... They're just both so humble and so um, down to earth. We really enjoyed having both of them on the podcast. And uh, we ended up going to the Nurse Blake show as well. So that was super fun. Got to meet him uh, backstage. Um, So that was... That was a definite highlight for me. Yeah, and and in 2024, Sarah, I was supposed to attend, but Sarah will will be going with my cousin Matthew Shepard to the Nurse Blake Nurse Con, um, Nurse at Sea. So that will be fun. I w- I was supposed to go, but you know, uh, changes happened. Have and you actually made an announcement? I know. On the podcast I don't know if I have. It? Yeah, I'm having okay. a baby in April, so uh, a book and a baby. I mean, it's it's all good. So I'm due April 22nd. 20 yes i'm due april 22nd so we'll see um if anything happens if i if i go a little earlier i hope i don't but um that's the date but you know i think april next year will be an exciting time for all of us so you'll get to see a a new book and a new baby there's so much coming up a new female another green nurse another girl we're having yeah yeah. so april 2nd is our book release the wisdom of nurses with harper collins april 9th to the 14th is when matt and i are going on nurse con so that's leaving out of Miami if anyone wants to join us we'll be doing a little roll call you know don't uh don't be afraid to reach out to me and say hi and then April 22nd is when Amy's baby's due could come earlier right could we we're, we're hoping not <laughs> we're, we're going with that date so that that was uh, just some exciting stuff and um yeah we might be going out to Alberta again yes yeah maybe so that, potentially that potentially in the new year so yeah. but I you know I think one of the things that um, is always good as a wrap up as a year in review is just thinking about all of the conversations we've had. We've had so many great conversations with many other guests, um, just in general, or right across the board. And I think that as we look to 2024, um, I really hope that we could ha- have more conversations about women's health because that has been something that I've been seeing kind of traversing over the past couple months that there's not enough focus on women's health. I saw that Canada's actually underperforming. I think we were something like second to last in terms of performing surgeries for endometriosis. So even talking more about like, why are these things happening and why are we being really left, you know, off the board and talking a little bit more about women's leadership. I had the opportunity to have conversations with, um, her name is Dr. Uh, I hope I say her name, Laura Desivu. I hope I said it right. But if I didn't, I'm going to spell it out so so everyone knows how to find you. Um, who's a nurse that is doing some amazing things for women and for leadership and for entrepreneurship. So I really hope that we have her on sometime too in the, in the new year. And just, you know, um, continue to broaden our horizons. I have no idea where we will end up 
next year. Like, I have no idea. No, I'm just kind of no like, no. wherever the wind blows me, I'm like a paper bag in the wind, just um, just going wherever the, the wind takes me. And I think this is just such an exciting journey for us to be on. Like, mm-hmm. If yeah. you asked me three years ago if I was going to be an author, I would have been like, no, I'm destitute. I have nothing. I'm in the worst place of my life. And I think through, again, mm-hmm. having shared conversations, talking about things that really matter to us, it was able to, um, you know, um, give us voice and ensure that nurses didn't feel silenced. And I hope that we can continue to do that throughout 2024 with more amazing guests, more amazing events that we'll host. And, you know, with a huge book drop so I think that'll be uh, really yeah. great for 2024 and I just wanted to thank everyone for listening because honestly we thank wouldn't you. be we wouldn't be where we are without each and every one of you tuning in every week supporting us on social media you know really just helping us raise our voices with issues that matter and um, I just wanted to go over some podcasting uh, highlights with you guys so I got some stats from Spotify so that's one of the platforms that we're on about um, our our episodes and listenership in 2023 and um it told us what our top episode was so i'm going to ask you amy any ideas on what our top episode was for the year oh that's challenging um with going bi-weekly i know even there's less but oh what our top episode was this is a tricky one Do you want G- me just give to me you? give me a couple hints like give okay. me a, give me a hint it's something to do with I don't want to say the word. Don't give it say away. the word. Just like um. Okay, so it's blank versus blank system. <laughs> Is it public versus private? Yes. Oh, you know what? <laughs> of course, that would be a hot topic because again, I think we're gonna continue to have this conversation in the new year. Um, the fact that um. The conversation on privatized healthcare is not going to go away, and I think we have to start thinking about. If it's going, if it's going to be something that's going to come, what does that actually look like? Um, how do we ensure that you know the public healthcare system is still going to be maintained and and that there's still equity within the system? But I I think that mm-hmm. we're going to see much more of it um, in the coming years. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to the episode, it's actually called "Destroying the Public Healthcare System to Fund a Private One: The New Wave of Healthcare in Canada." And this was actually listened to five hundred and seventy-six percent more than your average episode. Damn, nine percent of your new listeners started right here. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and actually, seventy-three percent of you guys started listening to us in twenty twenty-three, which is super cool. So we're hoping to get out to even more listeners right now um the top countries canada that's where we're from um but we also have the most new listeners in addition to canada we have brazil and the philippines okay cool um our listeners top podcast genres were true crime comedy health and fitness um, and this is cool. So our podcast was shared all over, mostly by text. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Direct link, Facebook and WhatsApp. Um, let's see. So for 492 people, we are the top 10 podcasts. That's like, really cool. Like in their rotation. And then we're actually number one for 54 people. This is just on Spotify. Um yeah, so I just thought that was a kind of a neat rundown of our uh, podcast. Yeah, I mean, I think that every, every year we hope to continue to grow and to continue to have more courageous conversations and to continue to bring, I guess it would be uh, the grit to healthcare conversations. So thank you for listening to us, staying, uh, you know, abreast of all of these healthcare issues and various political issues. And we hope to bring you more and more energizing and and entertaining conversations for 2024.
Thanks, everyone. Have a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year. Take care. Stay gritty. Our book, The Wisdom of Nurses, Stories of Grit from the Frontline, is available for pre-order. Thanks to all that made this possible, especially the many nurses from across North America who generously shared their stories, passion, and wisdom with us. From us, the hosts of the hit podcast, The Gritty Nurse, we discuss stories of the challenges, heartbreak, and humor of life on the front line. One of the enduring lessons of the pandemic has been the pivotal role that nursing plays in healthcare, vital work that isn't widely understood or sadly appreciated. We started the wildly popular The Gritty Nurse podcast to give voices to nurses all over the world, including more than 400,000 nurses in Canada. We have become sought-after speakers and advocates for nurses and are called on regularly by the media to talk about a wide range of issues around the profession. In our first book, Definitely Not Our Last, we take you to the front line of nursing to show the compassion, selflessness, and dedication of professionals who not only give it all for their patients, but get up to do it over and over again. Pre-order the book now at your major book retailers. It'll be available in print and audiobook format. Thank you so much. Take care and enjoy the wisdom of nurses.